Hi, this is David Barlow, and you're watching the TV Writer Podcast. Hosted by Gray Jones, the TV Writer Podcast is brought to you by Script Magazine and ScriptMag.com, the leading source for script writing information in print and on the web. My name's Gray Jones, and I want to welcome you to the TV Writer Podcast, partner of Script Magazine, episode 61. Well, today I have an interview with Canadian writer-producer David Barlow. You're going to love this interview. He's had a great career, both in Toronto, Vancouver, and even in Los Angeles, and he's got a lot of wisdom to share. He actually created uh, a couple of TV series. One of them you might have heard of, Seeing Things, went, I think, six seasons here in Canada, and then he wrote a TV movie called Nothing Too Good for a Cowboy that got developed into a series and went for 26 episodes. So lots of lots of great stuff. We're going to get to that interview in just a minute. do want to remind you that there are some great resources at tvwriterpodcast.com. There's a Twitter database with Twitter handles of over 900 writers. You can find the writers for your favorite shows there. It's almost 1,000, going to be there soon. As well, if you look down on the right side of the sidebar, there are many resource links, including a link to scripts. You can get several hundred free TV pilots, unproduced pilots, show scripts, Bibles even, lots of great resources there, and of course, the 61 episodes of the podcast, much to learn. There's a store link where you can support the podcast by buying books, and there's some great ones that I've selected there for you, as well as many other things that you can buy through the podcast site. Speaking about supporting the podcast, if you're grateful for these episodes, there's a just a pure donation link there too, where you can support, give a little tip. Is it worth the price of a coffee for the 10 hours that I do producing every episode? hopefully, um, and I would appreciate your support. You can follow me on Twitter, at Gray Jones is my handle, and of course on IMDB, you can search for me, Gray Jones, and you'll find out the shows that I do and other stuff like that. But now, on to my interview with writer-producer David Barlow. Enjoy. This is Gray, and I'm here with writer-producer David Barlow, right here in Toronto with me. How are you doing, David? I'm doing well. How are you doing today? Really, really well, thanks. And and I Please really appreciate you coming on the podcast. I love hearing about different areas of the industry. And we hear a lot from Hollywood writers, but it's such a different industry here in Canada. And it's nice to get the Canadian perspective. That's been my experience, uh, Canadian TV series, Canadian TV drama. So if that's what you want, I could probably tell you a few things. <laughs> great, great. And, and actually, I'm sure... You're probably just as proud as me that there's been a lot of great exporting going on lately. Yeah, that's that's been terrific. You know, that we had in the past, uh, we've we've had kind of fits and starts. And what's wonderful, but there were stops along the way as well with those fits and starts. Whereas now, it really does seem that uh, there's much more cooperative co-production between the countries and and uh, and exporting of of Canadian shows on a pretty steady basis. And that's uh, yeah, that's that really expands the opportunities. Great, great, and uh, and. We will talk about a whole bunch of things in this interview. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid we don't have time to talk about everything, so we'll have to go through quickly on some things. But I just, I, the, the thing that really caught my eye on, uh, on IMDb was that you created a really long-running um, show that was very well-known here in Canada, and we'll get to that in a minute. But um, before that, I want to hear just how you got started. Like, where did you grow up? And when did you know that you wanted to write? And how did that transition into you working in TV? 
Uh, I'm from. I'm originally from uh, St. Catharines, uh, Ontario, in the Niagara Peninsula, and left uh, when I was a teenager to go to school at uh, Queens in Kingston, and and then uh, Northwestern University in uh, outside of Chicago. Uh, my background is in theater. I was formerly trained in in the theater in in both university and at, at uh, Northwestern. But I always had an interest in film and television, and uh, at this certain when I got after I worked in theater administration for a couple years in training programs in in Toronto, I um, I went to work for the CBC, and I started as a production manager in the drama department at the CBC uh, 150 years ago, and got uh, to work on an early sitcom, and uh, it was a small staff of writer-producers, and uh, it started by, you know, I would hang out on Thursday nights when they were doing the rewrites and the punch-ups for the Friday tapings, and, you know, occasionally I would be so bold as to suggest a a line here or a line there, and the guys were very accommodating, and Mm. it was uh, Jack Humphrey and Lou Del Grande, and they were very accommodating, and uh, so we did that for about three years, and I got more involved in story editing, and then after three years, uh, Lou Del Grande wanted to go and try his hand in the United States, and said, did I want to come along with him as a writing partner? And, and I had never gotten a writing credit, even though I, you know, as I say, contributed some story editing ideas over the three years. And mm-hmm. I said, I'm not a writer. And he said, oh, yes, you are. You can write. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so we went to L.A., worked for a, a couple of years in L.A., and, and then came back and, and worked here for about 10 years on, uh, on series television. Well, that is amazing. I, we, the thing actually I love, and one of the reasons I even wanted to start this podcast, is how every single person has a different path in. And mm-hmm. 61 episodes so far, and you're the first person who's come in as a production manager. So, oh, that's kind of a gun. There yeah, you go. Yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> that's very, very cool. And, and you know, it's funny because the books and the courses and stuff will all tell you, you got to do this and you got to do that. Mm-hmm. But I think it's important to, to realize we all come from different places. And, uh, and if we just have the chutzpah, as they say, <laughs> to, uh, to get in where we can, I mean, good, I, know that, I bet you there's tons of people working on those, those shows who have a running tab of their own jokes in their heads and maybe wouldn't have the boldness to speak up. Yeah, I think so. And also, you know, you have to be lucky enough to work with people who are open and receptive. As I say, if, you know, if, 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 if it had been, a, you know, an eight or ten person uh, writer's room in those days, the chances of somebody from outside even sitting in would, be, would have been slim. But, mm. you know, that's not the way it started in Canada with comedy, uh, with sitcoms. And, and so they were grateful but also open to suggestions from people who are keen and interested, uh, uh, simply because, uh, you know, all, you know, when you're trying to come up with a, a solution for a, a, a scene that doesn't work or trying to add a, a, replace a joke that doesn't work and it's Thursday night at midnight and you know that the crew's going to come back the next day to, mm. to do the, uh, the camera changes at noon, you, you know, you'll, you'll take a suggestion from anybody, you know? Yeah. Very cool. Well, and, and also to, to have a writing partner when you don't even have a credit, say, come along with me. I mean, that's, that's very, very cool too. So, but you, you got back to Canada and, mm. um, and you created a show, but what, what was the transition between those two times? 
the uh, the the transition was really that after you know we Lou Del Grande and I did uh, you know well we were we were steadily employed in the United States and doing pilots and and uh, doing a little bit of writing on other people's uh, short-lived series. Uh, mm-hmm. But Lou, Lou wasn't that comfortable in L.A. He wanted to come back to Toronto. He liked living in Toronto, and I certainly wasn't uh, about to quit on that partnership uh, and stay in L.A. Uh, and so we came back. He came back first, and he sold an idea to the CBC uh, for him. Somebody that asked. He was an actor as well, and mm-hmm. and uh, and and somebody at the CBC, I think it was Robert Allen, the executive producer, said. You know, we'd be interested in a pitch from you that, as as an actor, and mm-hmm. and we had a project that that he and I had developed and and actually never pitched in L.A. Although we developed it uh, when we went to L.A. just as one of the things in our in our file, and he he immediately kind of adapted it to, for himself as the star and. Oh, wow. uh, and then phoned me and said, "You know, I you know that idea we had about the psychic guy." And I said, "Yeah, yeah." He said, "I I sold that, and I sold it as uh, me playing the lead." I said, "Well, that sounds good." <laughs> you know, I've always liked him as an actor, so I said, "Okay, sure, let's do that." So wow. that's how we uh, that's how we came back, and that was the first thing that uh, that we did in back in Toronto. Uh, uh, and yeah, you're right; we were fortunate. Yeah, we did eight eight shows a year, kind of a British style, uh, eight hours a year, and it was a it was a comedy mystery series called Seeing Things, and it ran for five years, five plus years. Yeah. Wow, yeah. wow! I mean, I mean, really, because you you were pretty green ish at that point, and to all of a sudden be running a show, um, how, what was that like? Well, I I was uh, certainly new to the writing game, and we but uh, but Lou had had plenty of experience. He'd done everything from writing and directing plays to uh, he actually even had a play on Broadway briefly. He had uh, he'd had a pretty good run as an actor on stage, and and had done some film and TV work as an actor as well. So uh, and he'd had you know three years on on Kensington the sitcom. So. And be- and I had some, you know, I had production management experience, uh, and so between the two of us, and with the support of a lot of good people at the CBC, uh, they kind of let us do what we want to uh, wanted to a certain extent, and we always think of that, uh, always talked about it at the time as being kind of handmade films because with doing only eight a year, uh, we it was a pretty luxurious production schedule, and wow. so. We had a chance to be involved in every aspect of production and also make mistakes that we could had the time to correct. You know, wow. so yeah, we were very very fortunate, and it was a great a great training experience. Uh, uh, and you know, as I say, people probably foolishly, but people gave us a lot of freedom. Uh, mm. And and now at some point you you transitioned a little bit, or or was it transition because you started to do TV movies as well. Um, was that just whatever opportunity came up, or was that something that you really wanted to do? And also, you you did some directing at that time. Yeah, I I always wanted to try directing. I I had tried to develop a couple of ideas at the CBC um, that, for one reason or another, didn't go uh, with other writers. And then after seeing things, uh, Lou developed some stuff on his own, and we did some stuff together. And yeah, and I did. I did finally get a chance to uh, to develop a project that that I directed, a TV movie that I directed, and and uh, yeah, it was a great deal of fun. I didn't I didn't pursue it. Um, you know, uh, I didn't. The idea of being an episodic director at the time 
wasn't I guess wasn't appealing as appealing to me as being as an episodic writer mm. uh, and so and producer and so uh, you know you you decide where to put your energies but I uh, yeah I really enjoyed the the opportunity to direct and um, and and you know, I think I hope I drew a little bit on my theater training to to make that transition yeah great and uh, you did some more TV movie work over the years yeah but tell me just to, just signposts of the nineties. Uh, you worked on Max Glick, uh, North mm-hmm. of Sixty, Street Legal, Side mm-hmm. Effects. Uh, you had a, mm-hmm. a TV movie, Nothing Too Good for a Cowboy. What mm-hmm. uh, What was that that sort of time like for you? Uh, that was great. That what and, uh, yeah, I did a lot of series work for a variety of people as a story editor uh, or as a uh, a writer producer. Uh, I worked with great people. Uh, Brenda Greenberg, who was on Side Effects, and and uh, Wayne and Barbara, who uh, who did North of Sixty, created North of Sixty. Uh, Wayne Grigsby and Barbara Samuels. Uh, I worked first. Uh, Max Glick it was the first time I worked with Chuck Laser, and Chuck and I co-created uh, Nothing Too Good for a Cowboy, which mm. was the TV movie, yeah. and and got two years as a series out in Vancouver. Uh, Chuck remains one of my closest friends and favorite uh, writing partners to this day. So. It was, it was a, it was a really great opportunity. We worked on uh, ENG as well. Uh, I worked on ENG as well. We, what it, what was terrific about it was a the variety. I got to work in Vancouver and outside of Calgary and here in Toronto, and you know every time you work with a different showrunner, you get, uh, you learn something. You know, mm-hmm. you uh, you learn different techniques. Uh, every time you work with a different producer, you learn something as a writer. So I really felt that it was, a, uh, you know, just a tremendous post-post. I guess that was my Ph.D. right mm-hmm. there was was working uh, with all of those people and, and those uh, those circumstances. And then, uh, and as I say, at the kind of the end of that run, uh, Chuck and I got the opportunity to do our own series. And uh, which was uh, fantastic, uh, and uh, the the and I got to do Peacekeepers, which is a TV movie that I produced with uh, uh, that Pete White had written, and that was simply a matter of Pete coming to me with a script and saying, "I've developed with the CBC. We need a producer." I read the material. Uh, I guess when I first read it, it was at the treatment stage. But I just I love the material, and so um, you know I jumped at the chance. And I always wanted to say um, if I got to do a mystery, uh, um, a war picture, and a cowboy show, that I'd I'd leave the business happy. Well, <laughs> I, I've done I've done them all, wow. and uh, but I'm still not ready to leave the business. But I am yeah. happy. <laughs> yeah, very very cool. And and you've touched on things along the way that um, to I, a lot of our. Uh, viewers are are American for this podcast, and and yeah. you mentioned some things that uh, might sound a little weird to to somebody in the states. In the states, it's it's kind of like you you lock into a certain show and you're on mm-hmm. that show, and then you lock into another show and you're on that show. Um, and also, if you have a writing partner, that's it's like a marriage uh, kind of yeah. life. You've you've kind of gone in and out of different things, in and out of a couple of different writing partnerships, writing on your mm-hmm. own, developing things with different people. And also you mentioned being an executive story editor. Um, mm-hmm. And these are things that just don't exist for the most part in, in, in L.A. Can you talk about a little of these things that um, – because it, 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 it comes across like it's, it's – 
there's more of a jumping in and helping here, jumping in and helping there, in and out mm-hmm. of different projects? Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, some would say I can't get along with anybody. You know, that could, that could be. A, I mean, and it's true. I mean, I I worked with Lou Del Grande for over ten years, and that's you know certainly like a marriage. And and then uh, we went our separate ways. He he had uh, his ambitions in terms of what he wanted to do, and I had mine. Um, after that, it it's a combination of taking stuff that's offered, mm-hmm. uh, stuff that appeals to you, and yeah, and looking for people that you want to work with and and learn from and. As I say, you know, uh, if the opportunities had been there, would I would I have worked steadily, for instance, with Chuck, uh, Chuck Laser? Probably I would have. But we live in different uh, cities. He he lives in Vancouver. He lives in Victoria now, but he lived in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. I'm here in Toronto, and uh, and there's just not the depth of work, and so you can't always write your own ticket, right? Mm-hmm. There's not the um, there's not the volume of pilot development, for instance, here and so forth. I mean, you can. You can you can have a I, it may have changed but in the in the older days you could make a very nice living in the United States just developing pilots. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and then the other thing, of course, is luck. Uh, a number of the series that I went on to um, uh, didn't last. Mm-hmm. Sometimes because I went on near the end of the run, like ENG, where we kind of knew it was the last year when we went on to ENG. Other times, because for one reason or another, the show got canceled. I hope it wasn't my fault. <laughs> Hart Hansen at one point uh, looked at m- what I'd been doing. Hart uh, uh, said, you know, I think you're the Dr. Kevorkian of Canadian television series. <laughs> and I hope that's not the case. I, 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 can, I also worked on the beginnings of some series, like yeah. uh, like North of, North of 60 and uh, Blue Murder. Uh, or Sorry, um, uh, Cold Case in Vancouver, mm-hmm. uh, where, where I was in in the beginning. And and then things take you, you know. For instance, when I did the first season of Cold Squad, and uh, we, I think the, the, the Nothing Good for a Cowboy TV movie came up at the end of that first year, and so I jumped to do that because that was uh, my own show, or our own show, Chuck's mm-hmm. show and my show. So it's a combination of luck, circumstance, <laughs> and the tolerance of people to say, well, you know, we'll take you for a season if, if, that's, what, if that's what you got, and, uh, and we'll see where it goes. You know? mm-hmm. and you also, I, I have to mention you worked on Traders because um, a friend of mine, Graham Clegg, uh, I know worked oh. on that show. Oh sure, yeah, I remember Graham. Uh, yeah, and Graham uh, wrote for us on uh, on Blue Murder as well. Yeah. I think he did an episode of Blue Murder. Yeah, Traders was well. That that's a good example. Traders. I uh, was asked in. Uh, Seton asked me to come in when Hart left Traders to go to the states. Mm-hmm. Seton asked me to come in to uh, to do a season, which was intended to be the last season. He, he, they wanted to do one more season for I guess syndication or whatever. And they had the financing for it, and and I was going to replace Allison and Hart, Allison Feltus and Hart Hansen. Mm-hmm. So I came in, but I said to Seton, you know, I've got I've got a pilot in play. I've done the movie for Nothing Too Good for a Cowboy, and we're waiting to see if it gets picked up. And he said, well, you and I have both been in the business long enough to know that not every pilot gets picked up. So I'll take my chances. Mm-hmm. And so I I did the prep on the I guess it was the fifth season of Traders. I had done an episode for Hart and Allison the year before. I did the prep on the fifth season, and then nothing could, too good for a cowboy did get picked up. Oh. So I left, and Pete Mitchell came and took over, and Pete got two years out of it. Wow. So, so uh, they, there was, they should have hired Pete in the first place, you know. Wow. Uh, he actually, the uh, fifth year went so well that they were able to finance the sixth year, and 
and so he he got an extra year. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, uh, it, uh, Traders was a great show. I mean, mm. man, that was a clever, smart show that those people put together. Yeah, well, and 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 actually, that's that's one thing that I I personally think that that. American shows could could benefit from this kind of thing. It's it's like a spreading of the gene pool, like mm-hmm. especially in that development phase of the show, or even the develop, development phase of a season of a show to pull in other writers. I mean, I've heard a lot of that where where there'll be six or seven writers sometimes mm-hmm. that'll all just jam together in a room and and hash out the the beats for the season, and then they go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody does it differently. I mean, I think that if you looked at um, if you looked at the staffs on on you know some of these shows, um, and I haven't looked that closely at that, so I'm kind of guessing here. But if you looked at the staff of Murdoch Mysteries or Flashpoint or um, you know any of these other long running shows, I think you'd see a, a, a fair amount of churn mm-hmm. in the personnel. Um, it's inevitable that. People come in. They either uh, move up through the chain, or they, or they, they, they get another offer, or they want to pursue something new, and, and so they move on. So you get that kind of changing and refreshing, and 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 the cross section of experience. And now, because there's a kind of critical mass of our series, for instance, to to use our specifically mm-hmm. as an example, is there criti- there's, since there's a critical mass of these shows, there's more opportunity. Staffs are deeper than they used to be, and we get more people on staff for these shows than we used to have. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, there is a there's just more opportunity for experience. As far as you know, whether you kind of gang it in the beginning and then thin out your staff as you go into the series, or or whether you you rotate people each year, some of the people on the staff each year to to have a fresh approach. That I think partially depends on the executive producers and the showrunner and their style of working. Mm-hmm. Well, and so let's let's jump to the the two thousands now. I, mm-hmm. I never know what to call them. The O's. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the next millennium. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll jump into the next millennium. Um, and and so, TV movies in the last. 10 years are kind of dead. I mean, there's, yeah. there's, a, there's more going on, but it's not like the heyday of the eighties and nineties. So, yeah. um, but you did a bunch of series work in, in, in the last 10, 12 years, uh, blue mm-hmm. murder, Durham County, the border, mm-hmm. most re- recently King. Um, tell mm-hmm. me about this, this time, bring it, bring us up to the present. Well, I think that, uh, now of course, and you started, uh, you started this great, uh, it, that, that now really with our series uh, everybody's looking to spread the financing spread the risk and and in, and increase the exposure of the show from the get go so now with ours it's very much it feels very much like okay you know you got you're going to you're going to launch the show out of Canada but what's your tie in are you you know have you got a, 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 part, a partner a broadcast partner in amongst the cable groups in the United States or is it going to have uh, is it going to have a distributor, uh, an aggressive distributor, who's positive about the possibilities of the show's uh, exposure in Europe, uh, and so it's putting up a pretty strong advance. So, more and more now, it seems that for hours, uh, you need that partner, um, both to get the budget to a point where it's going to look and feel like the competition on on the on the TV. And also just to uh, to share the to share the financial load, uh, so that seems to be the way that that ours are going now. TV mm. movies, yeah, I think they're. Uh, I think I, I haven't been in that game for a while, but I think the Durham counties of this world have re- uh, replaced TV movies. In other words, the 
the the short run series um or you know or the or the or the big international co-productions the uh, pillars of the earth uh, the far side of the world uh, those kinds of of things uh, tutors or whatever are are really i think they're the kind of tv movie replacement you know well that i i was going to actually mention that um because really the the kind of of drama that you get in a tv movie I mean, television has evolved. Television dramas have evolved to the point where we're we're telling so much more um, deep stories and 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 intricate plots. And and I mean, I I watch show, I love shows from the eighties and nineties. I I watch them all the time. I buy the DVD sets and and I just mm-hmm. you know for for the kick of it. I, but sure, there's such a difference between yes, the stories yeah. that that were being told twenty thirty years ago and now. Yeah. Well, the viewers become more sophisticated. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and uh, you know, the very fact you mentioned DVDs, you know, people are either taking this stuff and for a second viewing or they're seeing a whole run of the shows in one sitting. And so, uh, you're, you know, you'd better provide uh, story depth, story layering that A, matches the sophistication of the current audience in terms of, of what they know about story consciously or subconsciously and also that rewards second viewing or rewards uh you know somebody saying oh, i'm going to pay 40 bucks and i'm going to go home and i'm going to watch four or five of these in a row and i better get a sense of you know continuing storylines and and you know it better reward me for that time and uh and expenditure and that's that's all to the good you know that that you know additional challenges for writers it, it's all to the good mm-hmm. much more exciting to write, mm-hmm. I, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, Gray. It's an area that I don't really know much about, but I think that there's still uh, there's still a kind of TV movie business for uh, I think people like Lifetime and so forth, where they're doing uh, you know domestic drama TV movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still hear from crews that they they've been shooting cycles of those things here in Toronto. So I I, I think that still goes on. I'm just it's just not an area that I've been involved in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't want to suggest that TV movies are completely dead, but it's just not yeah. the the heyday. I mean, I, I remember like yeah. the Burning Bed, and you know all these yeah, like sure, absolutely. huge yeah. shows. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, I I had I interviewed one writer uh, fairly recently who, um, I mean, he shared with me some of the numbers that he got on his TV movies mm-hmm. and their ratings that you wouldn't even dream of for. I mean, he I, they they had ratings higher than American Idol would be now. No kidding. Uh, yeah, uh, just crazy, yeah. crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, they didn't have 500 channels back then, but... Yeah, that's true. And, I mean, it used to be a regular, right? I mean, the CBC had a regular TV movie slot, um, and, uh, you know, CTV did, you know, used to do a fairly regular churn of, of TV movies. So you're right. It, 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 they were much more prominent on the major nets than, than they are now. Mm-hmm. Cool. So in in so most recently, I mean, you've also gotten into teaching, and and uh, mm-hmm. you you actually traveled around the world for doing different seminars and things. Tell me tell me a bit about that part of your your journey. Yeah, I uh, for uh, about ten years ago, uh, a colleague of mine um, uh, invited me to to come out to Sheridan to share a, a teaching course with him at Sheridan College in Oakville. And uh, so I did that and, and and kind of hung around. And so whenever I'm not doing a show, um, I I do come to Sheridan in the media arts department and there's a grad program, one-year grad program in film and teach uh, writing and producing with, with my colleagues. And 
uh, even when I'm doing a show, sometimes I, I manage to squeeze in kind of like a, uh, you know, one, three hour session a, a week. Usually in that case, supervising or helping um, third year students do their, their kind of final film, their graduate film, um, and try to teach them something from a producing or, or writing point of view as they do that. So, And I just find it, I find the staff uh, uh, here terrific. Uh, they're all people with professional experience. Uh, and many of them are, you know, still working as filmmakers as well as teaching, uh, like myself. And kids are great. The kids keep you honest and uh, remind you of uh, uh, what you're supposed to know that maybe you've not thought about in a while and mm-hmm. so I, I just find it really refreshing and and occasionally there's yeah and then occasionally there's been uh some uh, some pluses uh, to um, go and do professional workshops in places like singapore and dublin uh and that kind of came out of a thing uh, donald martin who's a canadian screenwriter now works in la uh screenwriter producer uh, Donald uh, got me involved in doing some professional workshops in Canada through the, the Academy of Canadian Cinema and the NFB and CBC, and and that that led to to doing some professional workshops in a little more exotic places like Dublin and Singapore. That's that's cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you uh, uh, didn't just jump in and out of those cities. A great excuse for a vacation. <laughs> we tried to. Yeah, we hung around a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Not as long as I would have liked in the case of Dublin, but uh, I did get a day or two before I had to get back on the plane. Very, very cool. Um, so, so right now we get to the point of the podcast where we talk about breaking in tips, and not just breaking okay. in tips. That, that's probably mm-hmm. the wrong word for it, but but just tips on somebody who who wants to be a TV writer. So it could mm-hmm. be more about the habit as well. Uh, if somebody is interested in writing, what kind of advice would you give them? Probably what you've heard a million times before, but I, I guess I would say uh, study the genre. Don't come slumming it's too hard. Uh, in other words, don't think, oh, well, I'll, I'll try and make some money writing TV. Uh, you got to love it, uh, and you you have to care about it. And so um, find, in, you know, find some shows that you like and study you know, how they're done. Uh, you have to write, of course. That seems obvious, but you know, like nowadays, um, you you know, you really do need a minimum of of two samples, two terrific samples. I think uh, a an original and uh, a spec from from a series uh, as a as a limit as a very minimal kind of portfolio. In mm. fact, I tell people, people say, well, okay, I've picked my favorite show, I've written a spec, I've got an original, what do I do next? And I say, write another spec, or write another <laughs> original. You know? yeah. um, uh, and uh, so so you need that portfolio, and it has to be good quality material. So another, and by that I mean that ideally you've found some way to get some professional reaction. You either you either developed it uh, in a in a continuing ed course or in a writer's group somewhere or you somehow curtail, uh, cornered a, uh, a a story editor to give you some some legitimate detailed feedback and that's it's hard to get that for free but you know if you if you work your contacts you might be able to and then um anything i found and this may be my bias because of my own background um Anything that gives you practical, personal experience of TV production, you know, mm. uh, working on a set, working as a PA, working 
in some way in connection with production really is helpful because it gives you an understanding of what is what the production demands are and what the framework is and it also gives you contacts you yeah. know it's uh, you you know you'd be surprised at people you run into so so i you know i'm an advocate of that those you know those jobs even pa jobs are hard to come by script coordinator jobs in the story departments are very very competitive we mm. get really overqualified people for those jobs because it's the only ticket to sitting in on uh, in the in the story rooms and and so we get fantastic people who come in and work well below what their skill and talent level is but they know that they're getting a contacts and the exposure mm. so so trying to get those jobs so it's as I say it's the kind of standard stuff network uh, go to seminars go to go to uh, Go to these like screenwriting conference weekends that uh, you know, for instance, like the one Glenn Coburn puts on in Toronto. That's just where I met you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's because not only just to to keep up with what's going on and hear from people who do this for a living, but also you never know who you might run into. Yeah. You know? For instance, I ran into Gray Jones. Yeah. So you know, and and all of that. So it's and and understand that. Um, it's your job. If you want to be a television writer, then whatever you're doing to make a living and put food on the table, you have a second job. Mm. And your second job is learning to and trying to become a television writer. Yeah. And you, you have to treat it like a job and you have to expend the energy that you would on a job in order to succeed and you have to invest the time. You know, the off. It's terrible because everybody quotes him, but and I can't come up with his name, but the fellow who... Uh, who talked about the fact that in order to get uh, to achieve excellence at something you need to invest 10,000 hours yeah um, it, it's unfortunately true you know um, I worked with uh, um, a writer uh, Janet McLean who who once said uh, in in a seminar um, well, you know, you really count on 10 years uh, from the time you start studying to be a writer to the time where you're probably going to know whether or not you can work steadily as a professional at the gig. <laughs> and I said, and I heard Janet say that, and I thought, geez, 10 years, come on. And then I started to look at people I know who work full-time as television writers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you certainly if you include their formal education, and postgraduate, uh, post-secondary school education, most of them have invested 10 years Yeah, before they get... Now, that's not to say they didn't make sales before then, but before they were, you know, a a fully employed, steadily employed television writer. So I don't say that to discourage people, and I love to see people break that mold and uh, arrive there sooner, but it's not unreasonable to think it'll take that long. Yeah, well, and, and actually, to speak to a couple of your points there... Um, one of the things I loved about the Toronto Screenwriting Conference was at, in the sessions, I would look around and the session speakers from other sessions were attending other sessions, yeah. like just at, as, a, as a Joe Blow person learning from the person who was speaking. And I, I love the fact that, that here are these people you know, who, who have great track records and, and mm-hmm. are teaching themselves, but everybody wanted to learn. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's uh, absolutely true. I've got a brother-in-law who's a cardiologist, and um, he, in order to maintain his certification as a cardiologist, he is required to do a certain amount of study each year 
to keep up. And he can do that by going to conferences, uh, to the annual conventions and sitting in on lectures. He can go to lectures in Calgary, which is his, uh, his city. Uh, there's a whole st- series of things he can do in order to get his hours uh, that maintains his certification because he's a specialist because mm. you know the, the because the science develops and and changes there's no reason to think that you don't have to do the same thing if you're a professional writer yeah. you, know? you know it's a profession it's a specialty uh you have to continue your education and yeah that's why i think you look around at the something like the screenwriters conference you know you look at you know who's buying the latest book uh, on screenwriting at theater books in toronto and it could just as well be you know uh somebody who's uh, who's been doing it for uh, 10 years as as a, as it could be a, a student who's interested in in the field so yeah absolutely yeah. and to speak to your first point I, I was just listening to um an interview with stephen j cannell Rest in peace. But uh, yesterday, and mm-hmm. he he shared, and you know Stephen Cannell. I mean, he he, he created, yeah, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. the A Team, Greatest American Hero, uh, yeah. Hardcastle, McCormick, and like Rockford, uh, Rockford he didn't Files. Rockford Files, but he yeah. was the, he was the key writer producer on Rockford Files, one yeah. of my favorite series. Yeah, and uh, and I mean, just a ton of other ones, and some some might mm. even surprise people. Um, and yet, he wrote forty spec scripts be- wow. before he broke in 40 now 40 Incredible, right? yeah. 40 spec yeah. scripts before he broke in yeah 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 that's that's yeah that's the kind of uh, dedication you need and uh, look at the career he had you know yeah. he's uh, even even became a semi regular on castle you know? <laughs> yeah, i know i know <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, very cool. Well, so, um, but he did. And, and you know that, like, I could just imagine, because I, I hear people, you know, they, they've written three or four or five spec scripts, and they're like, why don't I have a job yet? And yeah. and here's a guy who, what, like, at script 39, he didn't give up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did, do we have time for a very, very short little story about oh, that? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, years ago, I was working on ENG, and Alliance phoned me and said, you know, we've run across this interesting writer, guy used to be a lawyer, uh, you know, uh, we think you should see him. And uh, I said, well, we haven't got anything on ENG this season, we're booked. Uh, but, you know, if, you know you're the boss, I'll, I'll be glad to talk to the guy. So he comes to my office, and uh, he seems like a really nice guy, personable guy. And he says, yeah, I was a lawyer, but, you know, it was tax law, and it's really dull, and I wanted to be a writer. So mm-hmm. I, I, I wrote a spec script, and I got an agent. And, and then my agent said, well, you know, but it's a legal spec script, and, you know, we need some variety. So then I wrote this cop show spec script. And, and, the, and the, my agent said, yeah, that's fine, but we don't have any humor. He said, so then I wrote this, uh, you know, romantic comedy series spec uh, script. Uh-huh. Or, uh, and uh, and and he put them on my desk. So there's three different scripts, right? Yeah. And uh, and he said, so you know, just because, and I'm writing this now and whatever, and uh, I'm working on original now. And I said, oh, that's great, and I'll read them. I'm sorry, I don't have anything for you. And I read the scripts, and they were super. They were really professional, really well done. And I was really sorry that we didn't have anything for the guy, and and that was the last season of ENG. Well, yeah. that guy was David Shore. Oh. And, uh, and, you know, he's now got uh, 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 a fairly successful series on in the United States. But it's the same kind of thing. This mm-hmm. is a guy who, without getting a gig, but wanting to be in the business, worked to present himself as favorably as possible and, and churned out the material, you know. And 
eventually you get rewarded, you know. Wow. Very cool. Well, and that is a terrific, terrific place to end up. Uh, thank you so much for taking this time. And uh, I really, really appreciate hearing all of your wisdom. And I'm sure it's going to be of great benefit to um, people who are wanting to break in themselves. Thanks for asking, Gray. It's, uh, it's been fun. And uh, I think these, uh, these podcasts are terrific. We're talking about education and continuing education. And these, uh, these podcasts are very much a part of that kind of thing. So and I commend you for doing them. Great. Well, thanks so much. Anytime. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Hosted by Gray Jones, the TV Writer Podcast is brought to you by Script Magazine and ScriptMag.com, the leading source for script writing information in print and on the web.